Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly sermon podcast. We pray you meet God and know that you are loved today. Be sure to visit us at risenking.life to take all of your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. Two claps, come on. <clears throat> what I'd like to do uh, over the next few weeks is when we did the study of, of Galatians, there are certain verses that are key verses just in and of themselves. And so I want to come back and look at these, these very specific teachings of Paul on how the gospel reframes your life in terms of some very specific issues. And today, the specific issue that we're talking about is the fear of others or the fear of man. And so we're looking at Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. And I'd like you to read with me. I love it when the church reads God's word out loud. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not just another account, but there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, even now, I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of people or of God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So I want to focus on Paul's first words here. He uses this, this exclamation, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you. Now, you probably have had instances, I certainly have instances of people who individually received Christ, prayed to receive Christ, started out in the Christian life, and then deserted Christ somewhere along the way. But that's not what this is about. This is about whole churches turning away from the gospel. This is a, a church letter. It's a letter to the region of Galatia and to all the young churches that were there. These were churches that had heard Paul and Barnabas preach the gospel. These are churches that had seen miracles. God's word, the word of Christ had come with power and their lives had been changed by it and quickly they had turned away. How could they do this so quickly? How could they embrace something that was at its, at its very center contrary to the vitals of what they had believed at first? And so Paul is astonished by this. And one of the reasons that he gives is that we have this fear of the disapproval of others. That every human being struggles with disapproval. And so religion plays on the disapproval factor. So religion is basically pursuing the favor of what men say will gain you acceptance with God. So if you are a religious person, you have allowed someone else to tell you what to do in order to earn God's acceptance. And Paul is saying, this is perversion. Paul is saying, if anybody preaches a religion that will get you favor or earn you acceptance with God, he says, let them be damned. Now, I just enjoyed saying that in church. I mean, it's just, I used to get my mouth washed out with soap when I was a kid for just saying hell. I'm just going to soak in that for a minute. That was awesome. <laughs> so religion and the ability to deceive is playing on the fear of disapproval. And this fear is one of the most dangerous fears to your spiritual and emotional well-being. Now think through this with me, okay? As a human being, 
you have a need for approval. Approval is a legitimate human intimacy need. Therefore, every need has a counter fear. Your fears are always connected to your needs. So since you have a need for approval, you have a fear of disapproval. All right, would you say that with me just so I know you're tracking? So uh, my need need is for approval. approval. My fear fear is disapproval. disapproval. So if someone can persuade you, if someone can get power over you, where you begin to fear their disapproval, then they will have control of you. And so this is what had happened in this, this region of Galatia. A group of very powerful religious teachers had come and said, the only way you can have approval with God is if you earn your own righteousness. So I know it's risky to have a theology lesson on Sunday morning, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want, you to, I want you to hear a term that's really important. Alien righteousness. Now, alien is not from Mars. Okay, it is a theological term that means a righteousness that is not your own. So would you say it with me? Alien Righteousness. In other words, what Jesus provides for you is not an earned righteousness that you yourself have worked for, but rather he gives you an alien righteousness, which is his righteousness, which you receive as a gift. So that instead of being accepted by God on the basis of an earned righteousness, You are utterly accepted by God on the basis of an alien righteousness. Now think about this for a minute. One of the most important things that you and I try to connect with each other on is the idea, do you approve of me? Do I have your disapproval? These need and fear are very human And what God is doing in the gospel is he is meeting a need and destroying a fear. Now look, are you tracking with me so far? Why is this so important? Well, you see, when you're you're a kid, you don't really distinguish between disapproval and rejection. To feel disapproved of feels as if you're being rejected. The the early development emotionally does not allow you to distinguish when someone is saying, I don't approve of you. It feels like they're saying, I don't accept you. I reject you. And so those early experiences of disapproval and rejection can create some incredible twisting and brokenness in the soul. The studies are proving not only does it affect the soul, but it affects the body. A recent UCLA study showed that early rejection, early sense of disapproval of you can create uh, 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 heart disease, depression, asthma, and even... uh, Uh, can uh, put you into other places where arthritis is connected to rejection. That's how powerful the emotional realm is to your physical well-being. But also, even if you look at secular psychology, it says this, that rejection creates some very overwhelming fears. Uh, One study lists seven different things. Let me give you a few of them. One says that if you grow up with tremendous disapproval, you will in adulthood assume that other people always think negatively of you. So the assumption is if they're talking about me, they're talking bad about me. 
there is a, a sense that I cannot trust anyone because I can't get their approval anyway, so I might as well just assume they're disapproving of me and therefore not open myself up to them, which leads to not being able to either receive or give love. You see, it's an emotional trap. It's a physical trap, but it's a spiritual trap because the Bible says really clearly, not only are you not to be a people pleaser, but it says the spirit of fear is not from God. He has not given you a spirit of fear. So the fear of failure, the fear of disapproval, the fear of others' opinions is a spirit of fear that manifests very early in the lives of people. Most angry people are fearful people. The reason they don't want to feel fear is you feel powerless with fear, and anger makes you feel powerful. Take away the anger, and you have no more source of power except fear. Anxious people are obviously fearful people who have decided that by their anxiety and the adrenaline that is produced by anxiety, they can overcome all these feelings of disapproval and try to meet people's deepest you know, uh, criticisms and their hardest uh, uh, you know, uh, assessments of you. But what does it do? Well, the spirit of fear drives you like a test master. This may sound strange, but in all of my years of doing deliverance, the spirit of rejection seems to be right on the ears because everything the spirit has you hear is negative, disapproving, and rejecting of you. I've talked to people and said, said 20 good things, and if I say one instructive thing, I've told them they're a terrible person. That's a spirit of rejection. Because it makes no sense that they didn't hear the 20, but they could hear only the one. And they hear that person doesn't like me. They think I'm a bad person. They think I'm not doing my job. They think I'm not worth anything. You understand, this is a physical issue. It's an emotional issue. And it's a spiritual issue. And so what the apostle is trying, are you tracking with me in this? Because I think this is important. What the apostle is trying to say is that when you reframe your thinking according to the gospel, fear has to either be laid down or it has to be redirected. Now, why am I saying that? Because you see, anger you can get rid of. You can decide today, I don't want to be angry anymore. You forgive the people you're angry with and you can let the, fear, let the anger go. But fear has integrated into your personality. It's integrated into your assessment of the, of the world. It's part of your worldview. Disapproval, criticism, all of these things have affected you in such a way that you have used fear as a motivation and power source. So fear has to be displaced. Something more powerful than what you're afraid of has to take the fear away. It's almost like if you knew there was a bully at school, but you could pay a bigger guy to be your bodyguard, you would no longer fear the bully because you got a bodyguard. But that's the sense of fear is you have to have something bigger than the bully something you trust in, something that you know you can rely upon that will defeat and defend you or else fear stays. And so this is why the gospel has to come into this place in our lives so that we have something bigger than what we're afraid of, that instead of disapproval, we begin to understand that we are perfectly loved and perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love becomes the bodyguard against the bully. But it's your choice. There are a lot of people who who say to me, well, I just can't help but being fearful. And And I say to them, 
Yes, you can. You're choosing to be fearful because fear repels love and love repels fear. So it's a choice. Will I be courageous and love or will I be fearful and discouraged? Will I live in courage or will I live discouraged? Which one will it be? Are you tracking with me, though, that this is at the very foundation of your personality? You have a need for approval. Therefore, you have a fear of disapproval. And if you have experienced a lot of disapproval, you're more in touch with the fear than you are the need. So this is why we fear others' disapproval so much. And everybody experiences this fear. Most of us really don't want to admit how fearful we really are, but fear is a, is a dictator. It's a, it's, a, it's a tyranny to your soul. So the Bible calls this fear the fear of man. And the fear of man can immobilize us when we should take action. It can gag us into silence when we should speak. It feels powerful, but its power is actually deceptive. This is why the Bible says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Would you, would you let me say that with you again? Would you say it with me? The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You've got to see this. Now, this is kind of obvious, but people miss it. You can't say, I'm afraid of people and trust in the Lord. If you trust in the Lord, the fear of people is put aside. I've seen people go, well, I have a lot of fear, but I have a lot of trust. And I'm like, you have one, but you can't have both. The degree of fear is limiting your faith, and the degree of faith limits your fear. And it's a, it's a diagnostic thing. So the Hebrew word in Proverbs there is the word snare. And it means the trap uh, that hunters use to tra catch animals or birds. These snares are dangerous. If you get caught, you got to do whatever you can to free yourself. And that's what Paul is saying all through Galatians. He said, I'm astonished you got trapped so quickly. He actually says at one place, fear has bewitched you. It's a spell that cast over them so they could no longer see their freedom. They could no longer see their position in Christ because fear had blinded them. And then notice what he says at the end, towards the end. We looked at this together. Restore your brother who is caught in a sin. Do you, maybe, maybe you know this, but there are snares being left for you all around but you and I, the problem is that we're dealing with the symptoms of the snares instead of dealing with the root issues. Fear is a root issue. Until you displace the fear, then the symptoms will always be shameful to you. You cannot have nobility while you're living in terror. You can't be controlled by the enemy and be honoring your Savior. Fear makes you hide. Fear makes you ashamed. Fear controls you. And any controlling person, you might say, well, I, you know, I'm a controlling person. I have to control things. You might as well say, I'm a fearful person because the power source of control is fear. And it's so important we start getting honest. You can't get free if you won't reveal. And you can't get free if you don't see what's ensnaring you, the traps that are laid for you. See, God has the power to free us from the fear of man. Now, again, I want to look at the mechanism of freedom from fear. God doesn't remove your fear of disapproval. He doesn't just go zap. But rather, he transfers it to the right place. Typically, he frees us by helping us face 
our false fears so that they lose their power over us. See, once you see and really see in the light that something you're afraid of is false, then you can have power because the truth applied will set you free. Do you know that everything you're anxious about is false? It's a, it, it's a demonic prophecy. In other words, it shows you a future for which you have dread, which is never what the scripture says. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. If what you're looking forward to gives you dread, it's probably not the Lord. But you see, anxiety says, worst case scenario. Anxiety says, go ahead and feel horrible now, even if it never happens. Anxiety steals your present power and gives you no future power. So we have to begin to realize, how did I get all the way to the end of my message? (laughs) I'm talking fast, but not that fast. How do I get back? I know I, I didn't do that. There we go. So God has a design even in your connection to disapproval and your fear of it. He has a design in that. And it's important that you understand that God wants you to understand that this idea of approval is a need that you actually have. But here's the problem. Approval is always performance-based. You can never simply have unconditional approval or it wouldn't be approval. Now, you can have unconditional acceptance. In other words, someone can say, I see your strengths and I see your weaknesses and I love you and I accept you. But they will never be able to say, I approve of everything you do, think, or say because what you do will then elicit disapproval or approval. It's performance-based. This is why it's so important when, when kids are small to be careful about the approval issues because if they, if they sense you're rejecting them, then they will be twisted, broken into trying to conform in order to be accepted, not just to be approved. And so that's why it's really good if you're a mom or dad and you have to punish your child, you have to correct your child, that you also say, but you're still my son. You're still my daughter. We love you. We just want you to act in a way that is uh, different than this. And you begin to help them understand the difference. But I meet many, many adults who do not understand the difference between acceptance and approval. Approval is always based on performance. Disapproval is always somebody's standard or somebody's expectation that you have not met. Now, the interesting thing for many of us is is we don't tell people what we expect, but we expect them to meet it. And the only way they'd know you didn't meet it is because they criticize you or they disapprove of you. So we have a lot of unwritten, unspoken expectations that go on between us. So it's important that you understand that when you fear another person's disapproval, you're actually fearing something that's really false and that fluctuates and changes and is a place in which if you're trying to get your identity, your worth, or you're trying to get a sense of love from somebody else's approval or disapproval, you are going to be sadly disappointed no matter how nice a person they are. Now, it's important that we understand this, that due to our sin, our weakness, and perhaps even traumatic past experiences, we might assume that these are merely consequences of the fall, that we're so in touch with approval and disapproval. 
but rather at the core they're not. God actually designed us to be motivated by these emotionally powerful forces. So approval and disapproval is a creation of God that's part of a legitimate intimacy need, intimacy caution. But when it becomes a fear, then it can actually drive you and be a taskmaster to you. But God's purpose was that you would learn to love by honoring the one you love. So in other words, think about this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now notice it doesn't say, be afraid of God's disapproval, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. No. See, what many of us are doing is we're, we're trying not to disobey God so as to not get punished by God. But God says, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the heart that will realize that honoring me actually honors you. Honoring me gives you capacity to both receive love and then to give love. Think about some of the people in your life that you love the most. Do they let you love them? And in a way that when you say something really encouraging, do they hear it? That's a person who's way too much in tune with the fear of disapproval. They don't know how to delight in the Lord in their hearts. They're just afraid of disapproval of the Lord in their hearts. See, the heart that is filled with fear of disapproval has no room for delight. Do you understand why this is so important? Because not only is this about your relationship with God, this is about your relationship with everybody else. Here's how twisted we become. If we grow up in an environment of disapproval, we actually pursue romantic relationships with people who will disapprove of us and then wonder why they disapprove of us. Well, if you don't see the pattern, then you'll never break the pattern. Can I just say to you again, we must displace the fear of disapproval and we must redirect our fear of disapproval to the only one who matters. Now, let's look. Are you, look, I think this is pretty good stuff, but I'm feeling all alone up here. I'm feeling the fear of disapproval right now. I know it's kind of deep, but can you track with me today? Because this isn't just about your relationship with the Lord. It's about your relationship with everybody. See, one of the ways that you're designed and why I talked about alien righteousness is because who we are and what we're worth are not things we define for ourselves. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't choose our DNA, intellectual or physical powers, families, cultures, early education, time periods, or most other major influences were beyond our control. You're not autonomous, but you're very dependent, contingent creatures. Our existence fits into a larger purpose or story, but it's impossible for us to create our own ultimate meaning. Such self-created meaning is absurd. So we derive our identity, our value, and our meaning from external sources. We instinctively seek them from external personal sources, whether we recognize it or not. And our true meaning and identity and values bestowed on us by a person. What does this mean? Um, this is such an important aspect. Um, Studies say, and I I believe these studies, that basically you have no sense of self till you're about 11 years old. And the only sense of yourself that you have is what others have said about you. 
So for 11 years of your life, your circumstances, your culture, your family, your coaches, your, your peers, all of these statements about you have formed you. So that whatever you heard is what you have accepted to be true of yourself for 11 years. This is why it has to be an external righteousness because for 11 years, you've been forming an identity that's not based on righteousness or even rightness. It's based on everybody else's opinion of you. So if you heard you're lazy, you may fight against it. You might hate that that feels like rejection and disapproval, but something sunk into your brain that says, I'm lazy. If you heard I'm stupid, you never do anything right. No matter how high a grade you get, there's still something inside. But the voice that first commented on my intellect said I was not smart. If somebody said, you know, you would look really good with a bag over your head, it doesn't matter if you get braces, contacts, and if you, you know, fill out and look perfect, you're still that person that heard people say you look better with a bag over your head. 11 years put into the foundation of your very story. And even if some of it was good, I remember I told my daughter one time, because I, I just think my daughter is so beautiful, and I said, you are so beautiful. And she says, well, Dad, you have to say that. You're my dad. I was like, yeah, and that's why you should listen to me. You know, it's just, it, you get these feelings inside that even when someone speaks the positive to you, it can't penetrate because something else has said your ears are too big or your hair is too greasy or, or you know, you just don't, you don't have the right look. Or you're not strong enough. I remember playing sports as a kid. I loved, loved playing baseball. And in my neighborhood where I grew up, all of us played baseball every day. There was a ballpark just a block from my house. My mom would send us there with a sandwich and don't come back till dinner kind of thing, you know? And we'd play baseball all day. And we were all on these different teams. And I remember in Little League, and we were playing this team, and they were a good team, and we beat them. And the coach and his two sons lived across the street from me. And one of the sons struck out with men on base in the last inning for the last out. When he got home, he took his son on the carport for the whole neighborhood to see and beat him for striking out. You think about it. There's nothing moral there. There was just disapproval, rejection. I never have forgotten that picture of this poor guy getting beaten for striking out. Think about what that kind of stuff does to your soul. This is why the gospel is so essential, you see, because God is saying, I'm going to bring an acceptance to you so that when those old voices come up, you put the hand up and say, stop. If you hear, you're just stupid, you're like, but I'm in Christ and he is wisdom incarnate. He said, Bob, but you're lazy. Yeah, but I'm in Christ whose finished work has made me acceptable and right with God. And you can't accuse me of that anymore. You're not pretty enough, ah, but I am the beloved of the beloved son of God, and I am in him beautiful and glorious, and you can't call me that anymore. You are rejected. No, I'm not. I'm accepted in the beloved. Do you understand? I'm not just talking spiritual stuff. I'm saying stand up psychologically. Stand up physically. You know what happens when you start standing up to those voices? You get taller. Your back straightens. You get, a, you get an iron rod in your soul that says, I will not be overcome. I will overcome. Yeah. See, why is Paul so upset? Because the Galatians believe that somehow if they can get the approval of man, they will have the approval of God. And what they, what's happened here is interesting, is these false religious teachers have played on their weaknesses. 
the weakness of the fear of disapproval and said, how in the world can God approve of you if you don't keep the law? How can God be acceptable? If, how can you be acceptable to God if you haven't been circumcised and kept all the law? And something inside of them, that part, that voice that says, you're never enough. You're never good enough. You're never going to be. That voice resonated with that false teaching. And they were manipulated. The picture I got is this. A lot of times in a divorce, there'll be the, the faithful parent. The one who makes sure they get the homework done. Make sure they get to bed. Make sure all the meals and everything. And the kids will treat that parent terribly because they know they have that parent's love. And then the other parent who's, who promises but doesn't deliver, who shows up very erratically and everything else. The kids will do anything and everything for the approval of that bad parent. It's almost like the, this group of Christians saw Paul as this faithful, free, loving parent. We, we'll just, we'll, he's okay, he'll be okay. Let's just go with these guys. And you see, when you try to love what can't love you back, all you get is heartache, rejection, more disapproval. You try to fix what can't be fixed. I want you to think about something right now. Who are the people in your life that you know love you? Who are the people in your life that you know they accept you? They may not approve of everything you do. I have bruises where Lisa has loved on me with her elbow. I have places on my knee where she squeezed under the table when she thought, shut up, Mike. But I absolutely know she accepts me. She knows me. She accepts me. Now, do I run from that love to find one that won't love me like that? Doesn't that say more about the one running than it does about the one loving? And what I want to ask you today is to stop playing into the need to the fear of disapproval or the fear of man and start moving into delighting yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart to let the gospel be your freedom. Are you tracking with me in this? Well, the person to whom we ascribe most authority to define who we are, what we're worth, what we should do, and how we should do it is the person we fear the most because it's the person or persons whose approval we want most. See, God designed us this way for it reveals who and what our heart loves. This fear comes right from the place where our heart's treasure is stored. It is a fear of losing or not obtaining something we really desire which is why it wields such power over us. See, in a way, what the Lord has done is he's designed fear as a way to protect you. That when you start fearing the, dis the disapproval of somebody, then you have an unhealthy relationship with them. It's just like as a parent, I taught my kids not to get close to the fire. I taught them to fear the fire because the fire could burn them. I don't know if you've ever been walking along and come up on a poisonous snake, but your system is designed that you start moving away from the snake before you even register that you've seen the snake. That's how God, God protects us. And when you start having fear of disapproval of somebody in your life and you begin to be manipulated by that and controlled by that, then the Lord is saying you have elevated that person or that thing, which might even be a good thing, to an ultimate thing, which makes that thing an idol. And God will not give success to your idol. See, there is, there is an aspect of healthy love that also has healthy fear. In this way, you see, the Bible says fear of the Lord is not saying be afraid of the Lord. 
What it's saying is, know who the Lord really is. Know how beautiful he is. Know how powerful he is. Know how pure and holy he is. Know how glorious he is. Know how he is above all things. There is none like him. His ways are higher than our ways. His ways are not our ways. And to know those things and to know and not to wear the shirt that says, Jesus is your homie. I just threw that in to see if you were listening. (laughs) See, the problem with so many of us is we have such a a closeness, in a sense, with God that God is almost not God. You see, he has drawn close, but he is a consuming fire. And so the, the, the deal is this. If anything else in your life raises up to the disapproval fear that you ought to have with God, that thing does not merit that place. Your boss doesn't merit godness. Your marriage doesn't, matter, doesn't merit godness. Your friends, your peers, whatever, they don't merit the place that only God can have. They can't give you identity. They can't make your story meaningful. They can't get you to your destiny. They can keep you from it. So you have to look and say, what do I really wait? And not only am I afraid of, but what do I wait in such a way that I have the deepest love for? Because then it shifts and you go away from being, I'm just fearful of God's disapproval to being a person who says, I want with all my life to honor God. See, it's not merely in a a good marriage. It's not merely that you say, I'm not going to cheat because my wife might kill me. But rather you say, I want to be faithful because I delight in my wife and because I want to honor our marriage because I know to cheat on her is to dishonor the marriage. It's not just about disapproval. It's about now I can live free and I can live for honor. And by honoring God, you honor you. Are you tracking with me in this? So we're asking then today that we lay aside the fear of disapproval of man. You know, it's, a, it's interesting because really we lay it aside because the fear of anybody else is a false God. But the fear of the Lord is safe because he really is God. See, the fear of man in many ways is the clinging sin that entangles you in the race of faith. And we must lay that aside. So what does Paul say in verse 10? For am I now seeking the favor of people or of God? Am I striving to please people? If I were still striving, if I was still trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So what about this fear of the Lord? Do I obey him because I'm afraid of him? Absolutely not. The gospel dispels any unhealthy fear of God. In Christ, I'm accepted and I'm acceptable. Absolutely no fear of rejection, disapproval. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, there's a logic here to the gospel. The fear of man is contrary gospel, fearing the disapproval of God because you do not measure up to the law or to the standards reveals a contrary gospel. See, the gospel itself is saying to you, you never measured up. That's why you needed an alien righteousness, because only Jesus measures up. Here's what I'm asking today. I'm asking that you will join with me to lay down this fear. And instead of saying, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be obedient to God because I fear his disapproval. Rather you say, I'm going to be obedient and honor God because I am acceptable to him. Because I no longer fear punishment and because I know who I am in him. I'm a child of God. See, perfect love casts out fear. Would you stand with me? I want to do, I want to do um, 
a little spiritual warfare right now. Would you do it with me? Okay, so if the Bible says God has not given you a spirit of fear, and then we do operate in a spirit of fear, that's a spiritual issue. It's not mere psychology. Again, I told you, you can't just say, I'm not going to be afraid anymore. You have to get rid of the fear and have something bigger. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you through prayer and renunciation so that you and I, if we'll take these steps today, we'll have victory over fear. So will you do that with me? Will you say this? I confess that I have given place to fear. This day, I take back that space. Fear, I bind you. I do not allow you in my presence. You will not be my power source. In faith today, I receive power, love, and a sound mind. I renounce the spirit of fear. I command you to leave my presence. Go to the feet of Jesus. You cannot harm me. You cannot stay. You must go now. Now, when you said that, I saw, I saw spirits fleeing, running out the door. So I want you to, I know that I'm giving you the words, but they have to be from your heart. So I want you to say this with me in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I receive my freedom from fear, from the fear of disapproval. I know this is going to be a declaration. I declare that the only approval I need is found in Jesus Christ. I receive his record as my record. His righteousness is my righteousness. His father is my father. His story is my story. Now, what I'd like you to do, I want you to put a hand up like a policeman. Come on, do it with me. Don't be, don't be shy. See, you have authority as to what spirit leads and directs you. I want you to realize that you've been letting fear have access. The enemy can only deceive you if you are self-deceived. You have believed anxiety or anger or fear or disapproval, imagining worst-case scenarios. All of those you thought were strengths. They are not strengths. They're accesses of the enemy. Now, you're not to leave here and go, I don't need the approval of anybody and go piss everybody off. <laughs> People still matter. They're just not ultimate. With your hand up, Will you say this? I bind you, Satan, and every spirit of fear from my life, my heart, my family. We will not live in the spirit of fear, but in power, love, and a sound mind. We are accepted, not rejected. I just want you to know that the only one who can bring a charge against you is Jesus. And he died for you. He rose for you. He intercedes for you right now at the right hand of God. If you hear those voices saying you're stupid, you say, no, I'm in Christ. You hear those voices saying you're lazy. No, I am in Christ. You hear those voices saying you're rejected. You say, no, Jesus was rejected so that I will never be rejected. And the one that matters to me approves of me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
Before you leave this place today, we did just want to take a moment um, and share one of our pastors. This is his last Sunday with us. So Pastor Danny, I'm going to ask you to come on up here. So as the uh, executive pastor of this church, one of my jobs is to work very closely with the staff. And uh, several months ago, Danny and I were meeting and he began to share with me just this desire and this stirring to really put roots down and get planted in Westchester County where he lives. And so we began to pray together. We began to talk through it. We began to grieve together about what this might, what this could look like. And the Lord provided an opportunity for him and his family to uh, serve on staff at a church in Westchester. And so we are saddened by his departure here with us because of all the work that he's done to cultivate our growth groups here at Risen King. But we are so excited that Westchester gets to have Danny and his family come join them. And uh, one of the things that struck me as I was thinking about today is even though it feels like goodbye, it's not goodbye because Danny is our family. And he has Risen King DNA in him that he will take with him. And so while this is a very bittersweet day, we do want to honor and celebrate him well. And so Pastor Mike, would you just pray a prayer of blessing over him? Actually, I'm going to get Lisa to do this one. Father, we thank you for Danny and that he's our friend. We thank you, Lord, that he's our co-worker, but most of all, Lord, that he works with you. We thank you that he loves your kingdom and that he's pursuing your kingdom in Westchester. We thank you for his family and for his love and his creativity and his gifts. And Lord, we just bless Danny. We bless him to be a great conqueror in Westchester, Lord, that he'll be more than a conqueror. He'll see your kingdom come. We bless him, Lord, that his gifts will flourish. We bless him to preach and teach and to bring the kingdom. We bless him, Lord, to cast out demons and to heal the sick. We bless Danny, Lord, and we ask, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Danny. And Lord, just we ask that these will be his most fruitful days as he serves in Westchester. We love him, Lord, and we ask, Lord, just for every blessing in the spiritual realm for Danny. And Lord, we ask that you selfishly, we ask that you show us how we can continue to partner in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 